in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Right now, good afternoon at 106, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. Look at this. Uh, God is good. It is Holy Thursday. It's a sunny Holy Thursday. So spring-like. You know, spring is when we when the weather does cooperate around here and we don't have it raining every day. But uh, temperatures, the way they are right now, spring can be such a pleasant time of year. My goodness, I'm looking, you know, today the high 67, Good Friday 68, Saturday 64, and then into the 60s next week. So nice weather. I don't see any rain in the forecast until uh, Tuesday, so a dry stretch. Folks, this portion of the program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Pop in and see them. Today would be a good day. Plus, you can sit out on that nice deck. The Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, right off of Route 146. So, I want to get to um, some of the big news of the day. And uh, how about Biden approval crashes to 33%. I'm not shocked, though. Here's what I'll say about that. He He is simply not up to the job. He is physically mentally not up to the job so um so this this whole business that with biden i don't think it's a matter of his policies i don't think it's a matter of you know whether or not what he's trying to do is popular he is simply physically i I don't think he has the stamina for for the job. And, of course, it's very demanding. And I don't know where this leads, by the way. Because I've heard from some people that say, I want to enact, I think they should enact the 25th Amendment. And that would be that the, the, the president loses power. But in the same token, they say, but I don't want Vice President Harris to take over. Well, it doesn't work that way. He's the president. The 25th Amendment, if, if something happened... And he slept in, you know, slipped into a stroke or coma or something very dramatic physically happened. That's where they invoked the 25th Amendment. Now, prior to that, a president might resign before that. But here are the options. Either he's the president or it's going to be Harris or it's going to be Pelosi. And for people that say, well, I don't want either any of them. (laughs) How's it feel to want? It doesn't work that way. I don't know what's going to happen with the Elon Musk who wants to take over all of Twitter, bidding $43 billion, $43 billion hostile takeover. I don't know. I, uh, I love Twitter. I rely on Twitter. It's a tremendous uh, tool. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with that. I don't know what's going to happen with that. I also, folks, I want to, at 109... Again, you're listening to the John DePietro Show, AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. I think there's also, though, a lot of misconceptions of free speech. People have a lot of misconceptions of what free speech is and where people feel they should be entitled to free speech. Um, You know, there's people, and I won't get into a big thing, but there are people that feel they should be able to put whatever they want in a social media platform has to allow them to post it because otherwise it's in, 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 uh, infringing on their, their right to free speech. That, that's not free speech. You know, the old thing, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater, right? You can't go into, whether it's the stadium theater or the PPAC or where, you, you can't go in there, yell fire as a joke and watch people stampede and trample each other and say, well, that was just my free, that's what they say. You can't yell fire in a crowded theater. There are people that post ridiculous conspiracy theories that are just fabricated, made up, and then they are shocked that a social media platform doesn't want to have it, and they take it down. And then they say, well, that's impeding on my free speech. It's actually not. You know, you are more than welcome in fear to go to wherever you live and stand in front of your town hall and give some kind of a speech Whatever it may be, you're totally free to do that. You can't do that in certain, you can't do that in North Korea. 
Can't do that in Russia. Can't do that in China. You're more than welcome to do that. No one's going to stop you. But it's not a matter of freedom of speech. You know, I'm seeing right now, this is interesting. Will Trump practice the auto withdrawal ahead of the 2024 race? Um, Trump 2075 admits his health could stop him from running for president in 2024 and says Pence, DeSantis, and Mike Pompeo would not oppose him in a Republican primary. That's interesting. I have not seen that. Let me pull that up. That's the first time I'm hearing that. Huh. Trump's 75. Now, next year, he'll be 76. He'd be 77 running for office. He's 75 years old, admits his health could stop him from running for president in 2024. Now, he claims those three would not oppose him in a Republican primary. I, I don't know what to make of that. I don't. Um, unless he's had some, I, I don't know about that. Maybe Pompeo. I don't know about DeSantis and Pence. Not sure about that. That's an interesting headline. Former President Trump said in an interview published today, there's one thing that could stop him in 2024 is health. He's dropped multiple hints he's planning to run for second stint in the White House, but it could end up settling to watch the battle play out amongst his rivals. He told his his advisors his health would factor in his final decision. You always have to talk about health. You look like you're in good health, but tomorrow you get a letter from doctors saying, see me again. That's not a good when they use the word again. Um, but he went on to again hint that he planned to stand. I don't know what that means. I don't want to comment on running. I don't think a lot of people are going to be very happy about my decision. It's a little boring now. I agree about that. There's no reason to uh, decide right now. Doctors who study aging and presidential health. Now, someone could say, yeah, but Biden, and they would be right. Biden is 79. How's that working out? Biden is 79. The, the job of president is very demanding. A lot of people are going to, um, let me get to the next part of this. Doctors who study aging suggested he could be a super ager. He could be a super ager fit and active into his 80s. Although his weight and family history of dementia could shorten that time frame. He leads everyone in the polls. There's no question about it. Um, as I've said regarding President Trump, now, apparently, Republican Bob Lancia was at Mar-a-Lago last night. I was communicating with him. He told me that he was going to a, uh, there's a, there was a book event for Tom Holman. Now, we've interviewed Tom Holman. Every time I go to D.C., he ran ice. Uh, we, we've interviewed Tom Holman. He's a great guy. And he's the one that actually, if you, I don't expect people to remember all the broadcasts, but he had this story where uh, General Kelly, John Kelly, explained to him what all of his father's World War II medals meant, meant excuse me, what they, um, what they, what they stood for, meaning all the meaning of them. And so... Um, let me just pull up what Bob Lancia put out last night. I don't have any audio. We're going to interview him. He is down in Florida. Um, but he was with Tom Holman and President Trump was there. And there's speculation. Would it be possible that Lancia would get a Trump endorsement for his CD2 race. So Tom Holman, that's right. Now that would be very interesting if he did. Simply because I don't think that uh, that former Cranston Alan Fung, I don't think he's spelling his name right. Um, let me just double check here. Let me just watch this. We again. I have interviewed him. He's he's got a tremendous background. Uh, he's the real deal. He, he yeah. Tom Holman. Huh. Maybe. All right. It's possible he doesn't have a Twitter account. 
very, very possible he does not have a Twitter account, which would be fine. I thought he used to have a Twitter account, but anyhow. Uh, but, but folks, that would make a huge, huge difference in, in fact, the race for CD2. Because as I was saying, I don't believe that Cranston Mayor Alan Fung, former Cranston Mayor Alan Fung, I don't think that he would be seeking uh, or receive a Trump endorsement. So that leaves Lancia and Jessica de la Cruz. So the question at 117 on this Holy Thursday is what does this mean for State Senator Jessica de la Cruz if Lancia gets the Trump endorsement? What does that mean for her campaign? I am surprised that so far she's being, um, I don't want to say quiet. She had her announcement. Um, you know, they're maybe getting to know some different people. Um, uh, I'm surprised she's not out there a little bit more. I'm seeing that Ashley Collis, who's running for governor, she's posting lunch things. I had a great lunch at Vanda. Vanda in Warwick. You know, I've heard of that place. I just don't know it. So she is the... Um, Republican candidate for governor. And a lot of times now, Justin Katz and I kind of joke about how Seth Magaziner is running that. But as far as the CD2 race, let me say this, folks, at 118. So you have former Cranston Mayor Alan Fung. You have Bob Lancia, who was a rep and then lost. Then he ran against Langevin two years ago. And then you have State Senator Jessica De La Cruz. As I've said, she doesn't live in the district. It's not a deal breaker for her. Um, But none of the people that have voted for her can vote for her. None of the people that voted for her twice now to become a state senator can vote for her. I heard an interview she did very recently. And... I think what State Senator Jessica De La Cruz has to decide is what type of conversations that she wants to have. Because the interview that I heard her have, that she was part of, I should say, she was being asked about her view on abortion, which I don't think should play into the race. I don't think it should. That's usually used as a fair issue with the Democrat Party to scare people that if you vote for a Republican that they're going to overturn Roe v. Wade. I heard the interview that I heard she did. She was asked about January 6th. She was asked about, quote, the big lie. She was asked about President Trump. Um, you know, that's something that if, if, if those are the types of conversations that State Senator Jessica De La Cruz, who's running for Langevin seat in CD2, if those are the types of conversations that she wants to have, it's not going to work if I have her as a guest. Because I don't think those are, as a matter of fact, I know, those are not topics on the minds of Republican voters. She's going to be in a Republican primary. What do I hear? I hear people, there were no questions about Biden's decline. There were no questions about the fact that Langevin has been completely useless for 22 years in CD2. There were no questions of the fact that Rhode Island does not have representation of Washington. There were no questions of the fact that the Republicans are going to take over the House and the Senate. And so Rhode Island would finally have someone representing them. So she's going to have to decide. I'm saying that if Bob Lancia, former Rep Lancia, if he gets the Trump endorsement, I don't know how that, I think that potentially could affect her campaign. Because he would then get Trump supporters. There are a lot of people that if that's who President Trump endorses, then that's who they're going to vote for. And if President Trump, now I don't think it's official yet, but again, 
former representative who ran against Langevin two years ago, Bob Lancer. He was at Mar-a-Lago last night. He seems to be dangling that he could be getting a Trump endorsement. As you know, those that follow President Trump has been very busy with endorsements. Dr. Oz and uh, running in that Senate seat and some other races. So I, I just wonder what that does to the race, what that does to the race. I also want to mention, folks, that uh, there's different people. You have to realize who they're playing to, who's in play, who's in play right now, and who's going to decide it. Um, I think some people have some misconceptions over the message the candidates should be putting forward. Now, as far as the governor's race, you know, someone that cannot be ruled out is that Helena folks. She certainly is going to have the money. There's no question about that. She has not broken through. Uh, Right now, I would just say that I don't know what to... um, I don't know what that would, what's, to me, she just has not broken through. Right now, it's still a two-person race between McKee and Nellie Gorbea. And it remains to be seen if Helena Folks is going to do something to kind of propel her into the race. Right now, the only thing that she seems to have going for her is the money because she doesn't what I mean by that is she ran CBS, but she she doesn't have an issue that, in fact, has like broken through caught attention. Someone to really watch someone to really watch. Is that governor for Virginia? Glenn Youngkin. Now, that guy's the real deal. I'm going to play some sound of him in a moment, but I'm looking at. So it's Sabina Matos announced and I see they, there's a photo that shows Governor McKee, Senate President Ruggiero, the mayor of East Providence, some union leaders are on hand. Um, that is, you know, they're, they're with her. They're definitely with her. It's, it's really, it is. Governor McKee, they're, they're running as the, as the ticket. They're definitely running as a, as a ticket right now. So, um, but Helena Folks reports 1.3 million quarterly haul in the race for Rhode Island governor. And I think, I believe she put in 400,000 of her own money. But I want to play for you the, the governor of uh, Virginia, Glenn Youngkin. Folks' campaign says she raised 900000 and loaned her campaign 400000 So she now has the most money in the race. $1.3 million has now amassed $2.3 million. Earlier loaned her campaign 100000 So now she has much, she has more than Gam McKee. She has much more than that Matt Brown. Much more than Matt Brown. McKee raised 400000 she raised three times that amount. McKeon folks finished neck and neck. This is according to Ted Nisi. 844,000 folks close behind him at 831. Gorbea, 770. Brown at 63. You know, I don't know what to make of that Daniel Moniz. The guy ran before. This time he's running in the primary. Folks, there's five months to the primary. And still no debates, by the way. I think it's... I think it comes down to that Governor McKee is in no hurry to debate and give a stage to his rivals. But I want to just um, play for you, folks. And at, at, um, let's see, 125 on this Thursday, I want to remind you about our friend Maria. It's my health. The Queen of Health, right now, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. If you're on Menden Road, you could pop in. And say hello to Marie. Vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies. She carries great local products like ICE, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum. It's my health. Over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices. Hemp and CBD products. Stop in plus yoga classes, uh, massage. It's my health. Diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. Pop in. She has the flag out front. The service is great. And over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices, plus 
vitamins for children at It's My Health. Stop in and see our friend Marie. Folks, as always, visit the website depetro.com, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com, which is brought to you by realtor Pat Elston, based in Cumberland, 20 years experience, licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. You can call her 401-474-5253, but we have a link on the website for Pat Elston. If you're thinking of buying or selling, contact Pat Elston today at Caldwell Banker Realty. All right, I want to play... Um, just because I think, boy, that is, that is quite the photo that Sabatoni shows up. So he is with McKee and Sabina Matos. But I think one of the reasons is simply because the governor is um, going to throw him or trying to throw him $200 million. I want you to listen to him. He was on Squawk Box, the governor of Virginia. So he is the, formerly the Carlisle Group, Glenn Youngkin. He ran and is now the governor of Virginia. This is him on CNBC. Listen to this. A big shot at Carlisle. What's going on with, with Elon Musk? What, what do you think is happening here? And what, what do you think he, he would get financing? Do you think he's serious? Do you think there's a need for an open forum that isn't um, evident right now or self-evident on, on Twitter at this point? Well, good morning, and thank you for having me. And uh, I'm waking up to the news this morning on, the, on Elon Musk's offer, just like all of you are. Uh, and I just believe that this is another step of, of com- competition. And at the end of the day, the competition for ideas is why America is great. And uh, we'll have to see how this unfolds. But I do think this reflects the fact that innovators like Elon Musk can shake things up. And, uh, and I think we're seeing it all over that, that as folks bring new ideas and raise capital and, and uh, direct that capital towards uh, competing, uh, we're seeing things really move. And you know, I tell you, Joe, this, this is what's happening ac- across uh, Virginia right now and across the country as we see companies making big moves. And I think it's really exciting to see this kind of uh, innovation and capital put to work. You know, he's exactly right about the competition of the whole thing. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with the Elon Elon Musk bid. Excuse me. I'm not sure about that. Um, But also, he had a great quote earlier, the governor of Virginia. Now, I believe that he is, um, I think he is someone to watch for the White House. Maybe not 24. It may be too soon. But at some point, you're going to want to watch this guy. He ran a, a very, he ran a, a perfect, brilliant race. And listen to him describe what they're doing in Virginia right now. Closely, and obviously in Virginia, keeps ranking very high on our CNBC, a best uh, state to do business, obviously. But a, a lot of, of what was evident in, in the race that, that you have eventually prevailed uh, were culture wars. And I think Twitter plays into the culture wars as well. And, and the, the whole notion that, uh, you know, that one side or another side is, uh, is more or less uh, there's a bias, an inherent bias in the people running Twitter on who gets to say things and who, who doesn't. And it, it just seems like it's all part of, of the, the, the state of the country that we're in right now that you certainly could speak to uh, based on, on what, what you ran on uh, in Virginia successfully. Well, I think it's time for common sense to, to be reintroduced to, to the discord. And I think what we saw last November was a state that had uh, elected uh, Democrats consistently for a while, wake up and, and recognize that it was time to reintroduce common sense. And so empowering parents to, to make decisions with regard to their kids' education. And by the way, funding law enforcement and supporting them as we see rising crime. And in a state like Virginia, where we had been 42nd in the nation in job recovery coming out of the pandemic, and we'd seen taxes going up and regulations going up, uh, we're not a chance... To, have a chance to bring taxes down and cut regulations, fund education, empower parents, and fund law enforcement. And what we've seen right now, particularly as we head through uh, our March numbers, 
is continued strength in our government receipts. We had a strong march. And in fact, what that, what that underpins is we're seeing now some green shoots on job recovery in Virginia. That's really exciting. We're going to have a big surplus. And that gives us, that gives us the funds to cut taxes Look at that. and invest in education, law enforcement, and mental health. Wow. And I think this is the common sense approach that oh. Virginians were looking for when they wow. elected us which is let's get the cost of living down. We're seeing inflation run away uh, from us right now at 8.5% over, over the last year. Rising grocery prices, rising gas prices, yep. rising utility bills. Yep. And we got to get to work to get costs down. And the, and the, and the near-term opportunity for us is to cut taxes. And in Virginia, we have the ability to do that. And that's why we're working so hard with our legislature to get that done right now. No, it's amazing, folks. And again, good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Show. Governor McKee, $2 billion. At no point does he ever make any mention or an attempt on a tax cut. That is the governor of Virginia. You watch that guy. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be ready 24. Might be too soon. Maybe. But he just got into office. See what happens next year. He might. I don't know. We're going to have a big surplus so we can cut taxes, invest in education, law enforcement, and mental health. Wow. Imagine having a governor like that. Now, speaking of law enforcement, speaking of governor, we are going to do an interview very soon with Gene Lugo. He is running to be your lieutenant governor. Republican, he put out a very interesting press release today that I will post um, on Facebook, as a matter of fact. But, and I'm, I'm glad to see the name of it is, will Lieutenant Governor Matos call Abbott? He writes, yesterday morning, Governor Greg Abbott from Texas sent a bunch of, a bus of migrants from Texas to Washington, D.C. after announcing plans last week to do so. Texas and other bordering states are consistently overwhelmed by the influx of these immigrants caused by the Biden administration. In the most recent 2020 census report, it showed our population, Rhode Island, slowly reaching stagnation. And within another decade, we may see a population decline to the point where Rhode Island will lose a congressional seat, 2020 population. One of the causes of population decline is citizens moving to other states like Florida, Texas, better economic development and tax. Between the year of 1995 and 2010, Rhode Island lost 86 million to Florida from citizens moving there. On April 26, 2021, WPRI, on WPRI, the appointed Lieutenant Governor Matto said, I made it a priority to ensure we counted everyone, looking for ways to attract population to come. Lieutenant Governor Matos, you have a chance to now attract more people to our state with a call to the Texas governor. Do you agree with the Biden administration and allow immigrants to Rhode Island to boost our population? Is your pledge still to continue, quote, looking for ways to attract population like the Afghanistan refugees in September 21? Or are you now against the Biden administration? Do you believe the citizens of Rhode Island can take on the tax burden, housing shortage, with our current fragile economy, or would you help improve our state tax system to retain current residents? Stand for something or fall for anything. Statement from Gene Lugo, Republican candidate for lieutenant governor. Now, folks, I, I think I applaud him for this. I am anxious to have him on the program. So at least someone is stepping up and calling out. And the fact is, what what I like is the fact that he is not afraid to question Lieutenant Governor Sabina Matos, who is announced today that she's running for, she wants to be officially elected Lieutenant Governor. She was appointed as Governor Dan McKee. She has yet to comment on the FBI probe that her administration with Governor McKee is under. She is yet to clarify her statements about defunding the police. She takes no responsibility for the dangerous atmosphere in the city of Providence. So I think it's time that she start to 
you know, get get asked some questions. Now, yesterday, Cynthia Mendez, she's running with for, with Matt Brown. She was on Channel 12. I like this uh, segment they're doing on Channel 12. Uh, I'm going to play that sound in a moment. But, folks, I, speaking of Providence, I want to remind you about competition, shooting supplies, firearms, accessories. Anyone that, that's thinking of getting an apartment in the Super Scam building, you want to first visit Competition Shooting Supplies, 435 Benefit Street in Pawtucket. Look for them on Facebook. Stop in. And see them. John Francis is so knowledgeable. Ammunition, firearms. If you're thinking of selling, you can sell it directly to competition shooting supplies. Or you could sell them on consignment. But pop it and see them. 435 Benefit Street in Pawtucket. It's competition shooting supplies. Let me also just say this about some of the people that are, you know, there, there are people that are making money. And have been making money off of the um, the developer with um, High Rock. Um, let me just um, see. You know they're they're all in. Vocal opponents of the two hundred twenty million plan to save the industrial trust tower are in the minority. From several city council members, nearly every mayoral candidate the dealers received a fairly positive review. You watch. That will, and of course, the Rhode Island AFL-CIO is behind it. I mean, that there's no question about it. And I get, I'm looking at the Twitter feed right now of someone who's um, been part of trying to bring it back. And they're always posting photos of it and the industrial trust building. Uh, but I am telling you that I believe that here's the thing. The, the country's in a lousy mood. The country is in a lousy mood. And when you have a president that has low approval ratings like that, that one of the Providence mayoral candidates is against giving the developer all that money. And I think that as people are not going to turn around. Biden is the wrong person to be in office. President Biden is not going to turn around the economy. He's not going to change the the national mood. He's not going to lower gas prices. He, I, I don't know what he's going to accomplish. Other than the, the Democrats are going to just get hammered in the midterm elections. And they deserve to be hammered, by the way, in the midterms. Um, and then... You know, they, they can complain all they want, but they, they put him in office. That's who they rallied around. He was their nominee. And now they're, they're stuck with him. And now we're all stuck with him. But he's not up to the job. Now, why don't I see? Um, the, he is not up to the job. Biden is, it, it's not even a matter of politics, by the way. He's not up to the job. Absolutely not. And so, and it's not going to change. Anyone that has dealt with a family member, that's normally what it would be, a family member, who starts to slow down. President Biden is an old 79. He, he is who he is. He can't get through a speech without a gaffe. And every time... He tries to ad lib and call an audible at the line. Um, The whole thing blows up and then he has to walk it back and then he gets angry. He gets angry at that Pete Ducey of Fox who calls him on it, by the way. So um, he's not going to turn it around. You know, when Bill Clinton got into office, he won in November of 1992. Bill Clinton, governor of Arkansas, right? In 93, he takes takes office as president. He is a disastrous two years in office. After 1994, Newt Gingrich and the Republicans contract with America. They take over. And Bill Clinton then pivoted to the middle. Like, let's play ball. Let's make a deal. And started working with um, 
the the Republicans, and then enough that changes came in, the internet suddenly took off, and then he was reelected in 96 against not a great candidate in Bob Dole and and um, Jack Kemp, even though they really ran as the ticket as if it were Dole and Gingrich. So, but I, I'm, I'm telling you right now, there's no way he turns it around. He does not. And there's a very good chance that some Republican is going to win that CD2 race. My point is, the national mood is not going to change over the next couple of months. I don't think it is. So this summer, people are going to be very vocal and angry about this super scam building. They are. Anyone running for office should say, I don't think taxpayers should be on the hook for this. I don't. I think they should. That's what I would do. All right. I want to play. Let's find out the latest now. The U.S. is pledging $800 million aid package for Ukraine. As far as in Ukraine took out that lead warship, Russia's Black Sea Fleet. Um, so major developments overseas. I want to hear this uh, this piece, but $800 million. And folks, right now, Russia, this, they're flooding troops into eastern Ukraine. They outnumber them. I think it's five to one. But let's listen to this uh, piece from NBC. To Russia with a missile strike on a Russian warship. And this comes as Ukraine awaits new help in the form of aid and weapons from the United States. NBC's Molly Hunter in Bucha for us this morning. Molly, good morning. Savannah, good morning to you. That's right, a major blow. So the Ukrainian military is saying this morning they struck the lead warship in Russia's Black Sea fleet after sustaining pretty serious damage. They now say that warship is sinking. This morning, Ukraine's military says Russia is building up for a major offensive in the east. Mobilizing up to 70,000 troops in the region, expanding its forces and resupplying near the border. Meanwhile, there are conflicting reports about the fate of a Russian warship in the Black Sea, the Moskva, seen here in satellite images last week. Ukrainian officials say they hit the lead ship of Russia's Black Sea fleet with a missile off the coast of Odessa doing serious damage. But according to the Russian Ministry of Defense, the ship had been evacuated because of a fire. Now, 50 days into the war, more help is on the way. The U.S. announcing a new military aid package worth $800 million. President Biden making the pledge directly to Ukrainian President Zelensky in a phone call. Later saying in a statement, the American people will continue to stand with the brave Ukrainian people in their fight for freedom. Adding, the Ukrainian military has used the weapons we are providing to devastating effect. The massive package includes transport helicopters, armor-piercing javelins, and for the first time, heavy artillery. President Zelensky thanked him, but his wish list is longer. All of it, Zelensky says, to avoid more atrocities like we've seen near Kiev. In Bucha today, the work towards justice is underway. French investigators now on the scene, too. The head of the prosecutor's office here in Bucha tells us they'll be right here behind the church for a few more days. And then the real work begins. Seeing family members, seeing people from the town coming here for answers. Um, what do they ask you for? Relatives are in despair, he says, but we're finding the answers, giving them the answers they so desperately want, and building the evidence in order to prosecute those responsible. Now, as the war moves east, I just want to show you guys what is happening here in Bucha. So this is the city council. So not only are people searching for loved ones, they're also going to register the damage to their houses, looking for compensation, guys, so they can start to rebuild. I'll send it back to you. Oh, my goodness. Start to rebuild. Start to rebuild. Ah. What an effort that is going to be. cannot even imagine. But the war is going to go on for quite some time. And I want to be very clear about this at 145. Zelensky is not corrupt. Ukraine had some corruption problems. Guess what? So did Rhode Island. So did Johnston. So did North Providence. So did Providence. Zelensky is not corrupt. Zelensky is not in with Soros. The war has nothing to do with the Bidens and the laptop. It's about Putin. If you repeat those things... You're repeating Russian propaganda. If you repeat those things, you're repeating 
Russian and propagating Russian propaganda. Period. End of story. There's no buts in this. Yeah, but. I love the people that do that. Yeah, but. You know, quick start. Yesterday, the other day, I should say, I posted how Alex Jones is in a lot of trouble. Alex Jones is in a lot of trouble. And and I posted the fact that, you know, he he. They're going after him. Those those Connecticut parents. And someone posted on my Facebook page. He wasn't the only one. Who said he was the only one? That's true. There were other people being sued. There's a guy that published a book saying Sandy Hook, Newtown never happened. I don't understand. How is that a response? Who said he was the only one? He's not the only one. Who said he was? But how is that a response? That story. Alex Jones, Infowars. Boy, he made a lot of money off Infowars. I don't know how much he's going to have left when they go after him. I also want to point out there were people putting, hey, that's freedom of speech. That is not freedom of speech. Alex Jones of Infowars is now admitting he fabricated the whole thing. I had these people. I, I'm telling you, folks, the cult is out in force. I, I'm going to attribute it to the conspiracy people. I have some questions on that. You know, I'm not going to do a big thing. The government killed those kids. That is ridiculous. If you think that there's something wrong with you, my God. Hey, listen, there are nut people around us. Right now it's 147. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Look at the guy yesterday. Three-state chase. He apparently, allegedly, lit his own house on fire in South Dartmouth and led police on a chase into Connecticut. Nuts. Nuts. Look at the guy they got in New York from the subway. Total nutcase. Probably spend the rest of his life in behind bars. Shot those people. Thank God he didn't kill anyone. Nuts. There's a lot of people out there right now that are just off the walls. There are. And I think between the pandemic and between the war and various other things that uh, adding to it, that, that there there's definitely people that that they don't know what to believe anymore. They've lost all sense of, of reason. And it's, I, I will tell you folks, it is, it's frightening to deal with them. You know, I was mentioning last week, last Thursday, this woman came onto my Facebook page. I was doing a Facebook Live, One After Dark. You weren't there. I couldn't believe you were there perpetrating all those lies. It's all fake. None of it's happening. Who thinks that? There's something wrong with someone that thinks that. And I get it. There are these whacked websites. They, they love the websites. They love to believe this stuff. They never answer anything. They're just going off talking points. I feel for the family. I feel for their families and friends that have to listen to it. But they're the people. They, they want to be part of that crowd. He wasn't the only one. <laughs> Who said he was? Alex Jones has now admitted he offered to pay the families 120000 each. They want more. Terrorize them. Some nut published a book. Sandy Hook never happened. It was all fake. Those are all crisis actors. Listen, you want to, that is not freedom of speech. You're lying and making up things. Media lies. <laughs> the media has a lot of faults. The media is biased. That much we know. If you don't think the media is biased, watch what's going to happen as we get closer to the election in both the CD2 race and also the race for governor um, and the midterms. Media is biased, but they're not with folks. And I, I just want to stop just for a moment at 150. Like, think about this. Think of what would have to be involved. That if, if overseas, all the world media that are there, and they're all let's I'll, let's play this out. They're all lying. The 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 uh, people from Ukraine you're seeing the atrocities that this woman. They're all crisis actors. It's all made up. It's all fake. Somebody stuck on this thing that she saw somebody moving out of a body bag, even though they they don't even realize that that was lifted from a protest done in the Netherlands. I think in Denmark actually uh, in February. It's like a climate activist protest where the, the activists all got in body bags. 
and then somebody filmed it and then they lift it and say, look, these are the people. It wasn't the people in Ukraine. But think of the massive conspiracy that would have to be involved if all of these people right now were literally doing acting and all the world was in on it. There's no way something like that holds up. I, there's just there's no way something of that magnitude there would be it would fall apart what would be the motivation what would be the motivation of pick a news source fox news newsmax bbc new york times la times nbc abc what would be the motivation that they're all and then people say it's because of biden it's because of biden i thought he's a doddering old man which is it? Is he the doddering old man? Or is he or is he really this mastermind? You know, I saw an interview recently, and again, folks, good afternoon at 152. Now, on September, on January 6th, there were people right away, because of Linwood and Sidney Powell, there were these people saying that wasn't Trump people, that was Antifa people. That was Antifa people. All those people getting arrested at the Capitol. That was all. No, there were buses. Linwood and Sidney Powell. No, no, there were buses. Black Lives Matter and Tifa. That's who did that. All right. Well, all the people have been arrested. With the exception of that one guy. Uh, he was like a speed skater or something. Person of color from Utah. No one else had his affiliations with that. That's number one. Number two, one of the best interviews I saw would, what would be the purpose of Antifa interrupting the certification of the election on January 6th. They are all with Biden, or at least with certainly not with Trump. So why would they want to disrupt that? No one has an answer for that. There is no answer. No, those were Trump people. They were. I know some of them that were there, sadly. Um, some of the people that were there should go enlist in Ukraine. You want to fight in a war. Folks, this portion of the Johnny Petro Show at 153 is brought to you by Endzone Sports Pub. Hey, basketball playoffs are underway. Nets and Celtics catch all the action. Endzone Sports Pub, 960 Menden Road in Cumberland. Dana, they have karaoke starts Friday and Saturday night. They're waiting for you at Endzone Sports Pub. So I think there's a couple of things. Folks, good afternoon at 153. Someone sent me a question. Uh, do I think Governor McKee would testify in front of a federal grand jury with this FBI probe. Well, number one, you don't have an option on whether or not to show up. Otherwise, you're held in contempt. The question would be, would he take the fifth? Would he claim his Fifth Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination? If you were called in front of a grand jury, which is where it would happen, And there's a possibility if by answering questions you would incriminate yourself, you do have the right to refuse by exercising your Fifth Amendment right. And all Americans are granted that Fifth Amendment right. So it's an interesting question. I don't know. Um, I think it's twofold. I think if he won the primary and was governor, I think he would find it difficult to take the Fifth. If, in fact, there was a federal grand jury and he loses the primary and then his political career basically, unless he decided to go for another office, would certainly be sidelined for a while. I think he would follow the advice of his attorneys and um, and just and not answer the question and not and 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 take the fifth. So it's an interesting question of. You know, should he be asked if that the only problem with it is it's a um, it's it is a hypothetical and and it's tough to fault people on answering hypothetical questions. If I if I worked for Governor McKee, I would discourage him from anyone, actually, any elected from answering the hypotheticals. If this happened, would you do this if that that's. You know, again, that sounds good. You can't stop people from from asking those questions. But he'd be within his right to say, I'm, I'm just not going to answer that. I'm not going to answer a hypothetical. Um, now, if we found out that he received a subpoena, they had seated a federal grand jury, 
he was going to be called in. Then fear question him going in. Are you going to take the fifth and answer questions? Or when he comes out, are you going to take the fifth and answer questions? Then I think it would be fair. But he would have no right if he would refuse to appear in front of a federal grand jury regarding the ILO contract. Then, in fact, he would... Um, If, if this was going to happen, he would, in fact, um, have to answer or he'd be found in contempt of court. So, But I would say right now, Governor McKee, I think he feels he's got a handle on it. He can do this. He's not going to answer anything about the FBI. He's going to... Um, He's just going to kind of do his thing. And he feels that it, he, he kind of intimidated the media from asking him questions about the FBI probe. This was Brian Amaral of the Globe um, last week asking Governor McKee. Yeah, so I know that it certainly is a topic that is of, of discussion. And my message to the people of the state of Rhode Island is to remind them that it was a, is it was a state of emergency. That, uh, that when I came in and, uh, you know, I think we have to keep on reminding people who are reporting on this that um, we had the lowest vaccination rate, we had the highest death rates, the highest um, infection rates. Uh, it was a state of emergency, it was a true state of emergency. So, and I never, I always did what was in the best interest of the, for the people in the state of Rhode Island and I never overreached the authority that I had as a governor. But I would also say that when the dust settles, here we go. Question for you. Here we go. Uh, when the dust settles, two times, and you come up empty, who's going to have the courage to write that story? Yeah, but you're not being. He starts to walk away, and Crandall says, "Governor, it's the FBI that's investigating you." I'll repeat. Oh, when you come up empty. Yep. Who's going to have the courage to write that story? All right. So he's happy with his answer. He feels he punched back. He feels, that's Governor Rhode Island, Governor Dan McKee, he feels that the media has been unfair to him. Um, it is not, I repeat, I, it is not the fault of the media that there's an FBI probe of Rhode Island Governor Dan McKee. And he can, all of this stuff, it was state of emergency, and I was doing, but all, all of that stuff. I will tell you right now, 158 on this Holy Thursday. Folks, they, they, they did not want to, the, the FBI, they tread cautiously getting involved with a sitting politician who then has an election coming up. Those are not the type of cases that they want to pursue, but the nature of it, the way the five million got signed off on and awarded, the fact that that group quickly formed right after it was very obvious he was then going to become the governor. The way he walked them and his staff walked them through the process. And then they actually put it out for bid, which completely violated the element of the bidding process. And it is federal money. That's why he has found himself the subject of an FBI probe. Folks, at 159, this portion of the John DePietro Show, hey, pop by lunch, dinner, drinks, the Lodge Pub and Eerie, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, right off 146. Coming up, you're going to hear the 2 o'clock news and then the John Dion program. Folks, I will be doing uh, Facebook Live later. It's Sean DePietro. Enjoy this Holy Thursday. Stand by for the 2 o'clock news. WNRI Winsocket. W260DC. WNRI.